Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good evening to you wherever you may be around the world. Welcome to Lighthouse Live on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Pastor Mike Douglas with you, along with our co-host here at Advancing Vibrant Communities, Chris Whitler. Chris, hey, hey. great to have you with us. Good to be here. And uh tell you tonight, uh, some exceptional information coming your way. You know, we all know about recidivism rates. We all know the difficulties about guys and gals coming out of prison and having the opportunities to make their way, the obstacles that are there. And tonight, we're going to be talking about some innovative efforts to uh, reduce the recidivism rate, to invest in the lives of uh, these men and women, and uh, just a, a real exciting. So we encourage you to stay tuned because it's coming down here in just a second. Our special guest will be Dr. Mike Atensky. Uh, Mike, of course, uh, I was going to say an old friend. You're not old, no, but you're a long-time uh, yeah. friend. Long-time, long-time friend. Long-time friend and, yeah. and no stranger here to Lighthouse That's Live. Right. Great to have you back, Mike, Thank of course, uh, uh, a pastor in town at Dry Creek Community Church, as right. well as a chaplain here for uh, Santa Claus County Jail System. Guys, we're surrounded by Pastor Mike's. We are. Yeah, yeah oh, we're, yes. oh, we're we outnumbering. We're taking over the world. Uh, that's, a, that's a bit scary, isn't it? Well, just to balance things, uh, uh, Mike is going to be introducing Jack and Joaquin here just in a couple of minutes. Uh, before we do that, though, friends, let's check in with our friends from Voice of the Martyrs. What will people think when they hear that I'm a Jesus freak? What will people do when they find that it's true? Hey, what's up? This is Michael Tate with news about some more real-life Jesus freaks from the Voice of the Martyrs. In June, a group of radical Muslims armed with machetes raided the home of Pastor Daudi Nzumbi in northeastern Tanzania. Fortunately, his two large barking dogs came to his rescue and scared off the attackers. Two days later, another pastor in the same town, Robert Ngai, wasn't so fortunate. He didn't have any canine protectors, and he suffered severe injuries from a machete attack. A local police officer showed little concern and confirmed that Christian leaders should expect more attacks when he said, I cannot protect every pastor. For more from the Voice of the Martyrs, go online to persecution.com. And back with you live here on Lighthouse Live. Again, Mike Douglas with you along with uh, Chris Whitler. Just a reminder, friends, especially if you're locally here in Central California, ways that you can find out to love your neighbors as yourselves, to respond to Christ's command, to love your neighbor as yourself in terms of serving, being Jesus with skin on, so to speak. Check our website. It's vibrantcommunities.org. That's vibrantcommunities.org. We have this really cool technology called Meet the Need. Mm -hmm. And those are great, great friends, Chris. Just a dynamite 
dynamite way to manage uh, opportunities to serve and uh, and volunteers as well. So click on vibrantcommunities.org, and there will be a little tab there that says Meet a Need Today, and it opens you out. There's something like 350-plus opportunities to serve up there right now, I think, Chris. Yeah, right? uh, yeah, about, yeah, about that. And y- you won't believe how easy it is to get involved in your community. I think people That's feel right. overwhelmed yeah. with what, you know, what can I do? Like I only have a very little bit of time. I only have a very little bit of resources, but if all of us put our very little bit together, it makes a whole lot. So yeah, yeah. it's easy. Absolutely right. Again, uh, the website is www.vibrantcommunities.org. Let's check in now with our friends from the Pacific Justice Institute. It's time for The Legal Edge with Brad Dacus. The American Humanist Association is suing the city of Lake Elsinore because the city has dared to create a veterans memorial. Well, Pacific Justice Institute is defending the city and is diligently preparing for the trial, which will begin in October. PGI asks for your continued prayers and support during this legal battle for freedom. I'm Brad Dacus. To find out more, log on at pacificjustice.org. And back with you live here on Lighthouse Live again. Thanks to Brad Dacus and his uh, group of attorneys up and down California who defend these type of cases pro bono. And that does uh, really depend upon your support as well. We encourage you to check out pacificjustice.org. All right, let's get down to it. Uh, again, our special guest tonight, Dr. Michael Atensky. And, and Mike, uh, we've, we've been praying together. I, I've, since I got to town almost 20 years ago. Yeah, 1994 is when we first began, and when did you first I, I came around 95, 96, yeah, somewhere so, in there. So from yeah. the very beginning. And uh, it's been an interesting journey, hasn't yes, it? I mean, yes. during that time, God God took us to the woodshed a couple of times. That's and, right. And so this is... This is this is not what I was looking for, but, you know, That's I right. want to point you in this direction. And, right. you know, that, that little... Uh, piece of wisdom that we're given in scripture that God disciplines those he loves and, right. and he does. That's right. And you just have to be willing to go through that because really I think we learn, you mm-hmm. know, during those uh, experiences. Out of that though, and we, we've had many, well, we several jail chaplains since, right. since I've been here. Um, but Mike, really God has you in your sweet spot. I mean, the way he wired you, the experiences that he's given you, the passions that you have for ministry, he's really got you right there. He, I mean, he, he, he said, this is a calling for Michael Atinsky. Well, he knows what he's no doing. No doubt about it. I don't know it. what I'm doing, but he knows what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it started, you, you were visiting, uh, uh, a friend in jail. Yes. And, uh, and something just touched your heart. Right well, now. I, uh, I was visiting a pastor who was actually in, jail uh on uh, murder charges so i was visiting him uh he didn't have many visitors his family asked me to go in so i started meeting with him for about six months nine months i was going in on a weekly basis doing bible study and praying with him and uh it was in the course of that time that the present then present chaplain resigned and so when he resigned, that position became open. And it was uh, the pastor that told me uh, I should apply. Hmm. And I'd never thought of that because I'm a pastor, comfortable at my desk, doing 15, 20 hours of study a week and visiting a few people that are sick and, and doing Bible studies. And I didn't think that I had time to uh, 
minister in the city. So, uh, but God came at me sideways. And so I, uh, agreed to investigate it. And I went and met with Sheriff Adam Christensen. And he's just a wonderful Christian man. I just really enjoy him. And that was over five years ago. Mm. He's still there. And, uh, then I applied for the position. And I received the, and they gave the position to me as chaplain. And I went back to the church and told the church that I was not doing this as a part-time job or a filler job. This was my mission. Yes. And I wanted them to support that. So they did. And so I felt as if I was going as a missionary into the community. Then I only ended up with about an hour or two to prepare for a message. <laughs> And people actually said my sermons were better. <laughs> Bummer. So, yeah, well, I was glad. All that seven-year education for nothing, I guess. But, yeah, but, uh, but that's how God works. Yes, and so uh, that, that was an exciting time to be put in that position. Well, you know, and, and, and Mike, we go back to that scene in the future where Jesus is addressing the sheep and the that's goats. Right. And... He puts a very, very heavy and important and significant emphasis mm-hmm. on visiting those in prison. Uh, those in prison have a special place in the heart right. of our master. And, uh, for you to respond to that, I mean, this is not an easy ministry to no. do. Yeah. You know, this, 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 you've got to be called to it and uh-huh. respond to it and be dedicated to it. Right. On behalf of the other pastors in town, I just want to say we appreciate hmm. the tremendous job that you've done, huh. being willing to follow God, being willing to be innovative. Hmm. And that's what we want to talk about tonight. That's right. Are some yeah. of those wonderful innovations. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, Mike, would you, uh, introduce, uh, Jack and, and Joaquin? To yes, us? I think I'll just go to my left here and Jack is, uh, Jack Bauer and he has been working with me as a facilitator at uh, what we now call Skills Program, and he uh, he's just become a good friend. I really like being around Jack, and and uh, he has a background that really uh, 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 complements what he's doing there at the jail. Pre- prepared and, you, Jack, uh, and, right, for and, what you're doing and, today. Uh, uh, Jack is, uh, he, he, I just always thought of him as Nick Nolte. So, he, so when they get to hear him in his on younger the radio, days. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good caveat there. Anyways, but, uh, uh, Mike, let me rewind just a second. Yeah. You mentioned skills. Let's unpack that a little bit. What is, okay. uh, unpack that skills for Skills is, uh, Sheriff's Custody and Community Institute of Life Skills. And so skills is the acronym. Uh, this came about a year ago. When, uh, well, it's actually about four years of visioning and hoping for something like this, where we could go into the uh, jails and prepare men to re-enter the community. Hmm. And it's a very complex issue uh, with very simple demands upon it, but it's very complex. So I went to the sheriff uh, a year ago with some specific plans to begin something inside custody that would then extend itself outside of custody into the community. He agreed, and uh, he agreed to something that is very probably scary for someone who's running a detention center to want mm. to do. And uh, it's something pretty unique, apparently, I'm finding out. Uh, it's not something that is done uh, as widespread as I would have thought. 
but we are bringing men into long, day-long classes with courses. But the most important part is the interaction they have with each other. And with these men here, I introduced Jack, who's on my left. Your radio audience doesn't care. But on my right is a Joaquin Tafola. And both men have probably two decades of experience uh, uh, working within the scope of uh, prison ministries. And they uh, they can tell you their own story. But both of these men today, together, Joaquin is Jack in, in Spanish and Jack. So I have a pair of Jacks. And someone said there's a pair of mics here. And That's I think right. The pair of Jacks <laughs> beat the pair of mics anyways. You know, we uh, could no. take a pair of what we, we don't know what. We could take that down a long road. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but anyways, <laughs> but uh, if I introduce skills well enough at this point. That's but it's great. something It's just... We just began 60 days ago with a pilot to do something within the prison, jail walls. And uh, we have just had some men leave jail outside, and they're still part of skills. We just call them alumni, but they're still meeting with us and calling us. And, and I'll talk to you about graduation later. There's a, a way for them to graduate. So this equips them better to survive on the outside. That's right. Because it's a whole different world. That's right. Well, these men, uh, I'd like Jack or Joaquin to talk a little sure, bit absolutely. about the men we're interacting with. We have men that are 20 years old on up into their 50s and with all sorts of various experiences. And and if you want to jump in at any point, Jack or Joaquin, you can just <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, interact. Yeah. What's your experience? Uh, my experience, actually, part of my testimony is that I grew up in a very violent home, mm-hmm. went through a lot of things when I was young. Um I didn't understand what love was, and I was trying to find it. <clears throat> I found it in Jesus Christ. But um, so my passion to reach out to the lost, it, it came later on in life, but I went to prison three times. I was a heroin addict, uh, $300 a day, heroin addict. Um, going back into the prisons and helping Chaplain Atinsky and noticing the ways that they try to manipulate certain things is what I direct my goal is, to help them overcome that. In a biblical sense as well, because I get we go back in there and we give Bible studies as well. So it's a mental, intellectual, mental, spiritual, and physical attribute mm-hmm. that we're trying to go and attack. I That's mean, right. it's a it's a war. It's sure. basically a war in there. Right. So you know, we're yeah. fighting not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, things unseen, things that put themselves on high. So you know, um, with this program though, I've been noticing a lot of uh, inmates. It's it's a character building. It's a character building, if I can say, or mm-hmm. you know, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, we we deal with anyone from I guess what was it uh, twenty twenty years old to fifty. Oh yeah, fifty eight. Fifty eight. So it's a long stretch. There, some guys have been in and out. I mean, their whole life, and uh, the younger ones, they this is their first time. Um, and you know, just like uh, in the church, we disciple. You know, these That's gang right. members in there and these guys in there are discipling these younger guys right. to carry on their, their business. So if we can grab any one of them and have churches around the neighborhood on the outside, you know, disciple these men while they're on ankle bracelet, while they're on probation, while we have, you know, we, we can make a profound effect, a profound effect. Joaquin, what's the general perception of an inmate? of the church out there. The guy, guy that's, you know, maybe has a $300 a day, uh, habit. (laughs) What's his perception about the church? I don't know how to speak Christianese. (laughs) So I can't go in there and talk to them. 
you know, um, that's what I say. I always tell uh, the inmates that you, you're trying to le- learn tr- Christianese. You know, you're trying to learn the lingo, but you're not getting the full effect. Mm. So when I was out there, I didn't know how to approach, you know, anybody at church. Yeah, I, you know, it felt good. And yeah, when I was young, my grandmother and everybody just take me to church. And I knew the power of God, but I, I didn't know the power of God. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I knew him like... You knew a, about it, but not... I knew him like a mailman. You know, I, yeah, you know, see him every day. Hey, how's it going? Sure. But I didn't know him intimately. Now, now what changed for you? How, how, how did that change in your life? Well, I was, I was in the, the hole and, and, uh, in, in solitary confinement. I remember looking, um, at myself in the mirror. Mm. I remember saying, what happened to you? Mm-hmm. You know, what happened to you? And I had read the Bible over and now it, while I was in solitary confinement, you just read, 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 read. That's all you have to do in there. And, and I just looked up and said, man, you become something that the Lord didn't make you for this. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that's when it was, it was just on, on, I guess. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. From there. Yeah. Awesome. Ding. You know, like, uh, yeah. I guess a crackhead would say the first hit, you hear that bing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I, well, Jack, what about you? What, yeah. uh, what, what prepared you to be able to, uh, help these inmates today? Uh, well, like, like Joaquin, uh, I'd gotten in, in trouble, uh, at a young age. Uh, believe it or not, I was seven years old the first time I got arrested for burglary. Mm. The, uh, the older guys were on top of the school roof and they had the hatch open and, and, uh, they talked me into going down and opening the door for them. And, uh, I learned at a real young age that uh, I was accepted if I did crazy stuff. Mm. Um, my brother was four years older than me, and uh, and so he didn't want to take the time to teach me how to play sports. So I was that kid that was always the last one picked, and and then sometimes they wouldn't even want me on their team. They would play with one guy less, and so I learned real young not to put myself through through that experience. Uh, so for me to be accepted, I would be the kid that did the crazy stuff. And, uh, at the age of 15, I got arrested for my first armed robbery and, um, I tried to straighten my life out, uh, uh, after that, but my, uh, my past had caught up with me, uh, and, uh, I ended up spending the last year of high school in a, in a reform school or, or a fire camp, um, for burglary. And then it gotten out and, uh, tried to do good again. And, uh, ended up getting married and, and my, uh, my wife got pregnant. I tried to go into the military. Um, uh, I went in the reserves cause that's the only way they would guarantee me an A school. And they told me when I got to my A school, I could put a chit in to go active. And so I ended up getting the runaround and they wouldn't activate me. Mm. Um, so here I am with the responsibility of, of being married and, and, and a baby and no job skills and, um, I was just uh, with the wrong guy at the wrong time, and we ended up doing something stupid. And uh, so uh, we robbed uh, some drug dealers, and uh, you wouldn't think they would call the police on you, but <laughs> <laughs> they did. <laughs> so, uh, I'd like to hear that phone call. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's this neighborhood coming to? Uh, yeah. Long story short, I, I did three years in prison, and uh, uh, I had had 
I, I told Pastor before, when I was five years old, I, I distinctly remember asking my mom one, one morning when she was combing her hair where we came from. And my mom said that, that uh, God made us. Now, my parents weren't religious in any sense of the word, still aren't. Um, and I remember later on that evening laying in my bed at the age of five thinking, well, if God made us, who made God? Mm. And who made God that made God? And I took that line of thinking so far down that the, at the age of five, I realized without God, there was nothing. Wow. And so we moved a couple years later after that, and we moved across the street from, from a minister. And he used to take all his kids in the neighborhood to church, and he would even take us to Royal Rangers, which is the Christian equivalent to, mm-hmm. to uh, the Boy Scouts. And so uh, I got saved at a, at a young age, probably about nine years old. And uh, like any kid that gets excited when they get saved, I came home and told my parents all about it. And that was good for me, but, you know, they didn't, they didn't uh, want to participate. They didn't believe that. Hmm. And so I remember distinctly, I, I uh, got off the phone uh, in Vacaville Prison after talking to my father. And they had given up on me. And... Uh, I can remember distinctly, you know, it wasn't an audible voice, but the voice of God told me as I hung up that phone, see, they've given up on you. Now will you serve me? Mm-hmm. Wow. So uh, I was a very uh, prideful person, and um, I didn't want anybody to think that uh, I was using Christianity as a crutch or uh, as an excuse to get by in prison, so... Uh, um, I would read by myself. I never uh, would attend church services. But uh, God placed this gentleman in my path when I was at Folsom um, that uh, used to run a Bible study. He'd been in prison several times. Um, but he was the first person that could ever answer my questions. You know, and I, my father was into philosophy and, and Calhill Gibran and reincarnation, and I thought I had all this stuff together. And so I would shoot these questions at him, and he was the first person that could open the Bible and answer those questions. And so mm-hmm. I was impressed. And then he gave me a book uh, by Chuck Smith I'll never forget. It was mm-hmm. called uh, What This World's Coming To. Yeah. And I read that book. This was something like almost 30 years ago. And I could see at that time, reading that and reading Revelations, that you know the world stage was beginning to be set for these things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, well, if Revelation, I started at the back of the book. Everybody starts at the front. <laughs> and, uh, well, you know what happens then, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the end from the, yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, I thought if this this you know part of the Bible's uh, true, the rest of it must be true. And so uh, uh, I I, I uh, later transferred to uh, uh, Dual Vocational Institute and. Uh, uh, I had my own little cubicle on TV, and I was watching Jimmy Swaggart, and he gave an invitation uh, for salvation, an altar call. And so I just kneeled down right there in, in uh, my little area and uh, gave my, my life as an adult, you know, uh, committed my life to Christ. Uh, and how old uh, about were, were, were you then? I was 25. 25. 25. It, it took about uh, about four months after I paroled. Uh, for me to get plugged into a church and uh, and uh, really uh, had a born again experience with with, uh, with God and uh, and did really well. So, 
Joaquin and, and Jack, what would you have liked to have had available to you that was not available at the time that you got out and, and you were you were mainstreaming, so to speak, back in society. What wasn't there that you would have appreciated that would have been useful to you um, to to survive back on the outside? Well, when when I, <laughs> me and my friend were just talking about this this morning, uh, a pastor, Pastor Rocha, he's, uh, he just got out of federal prison, but he's actually has a church already and building and everything. Um, we were talking about that because, uh, when we get out, our expectations is that the whole world will stop because we got out. Like everybody's life will say, Hey, you know, you're back. Hey, come and do this. Um, me being a Christian when I got out, I wanted to give back right away, mm-hmm. be plugged in, but, uh, didn't know where to go or what to say or who to talk to or anything of that nature. Like I said, I didn't know how to speak this Christian lingo yet. You know, I didn't know the scripture as, as well. And if I was, I wasn't bold enough here. These, you know, people been here for years in church. I don't know how to approach that still because of, you know, it, 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 I, although I was in a structured environment, it's not as structured out here when we get out. So um, I think I would have wanted like a phone call, mm. a visit to my mm. house saying, hey, we're out here still. Hey, uh, why don't you come with me and give your testimony tonight? Or why don't you, you know, right away? And then I would have known, you know, where to, you know, go from there. Because as a criminal, obviously, we're, we're pretty bold. You know, <laughs> we would, you know, come in our crimes were pretty bold. So if we can just plug them into the right place with the boldness that they have, you know, and with Jesus Christ behind them, that's it's it's over. You know, there's no stopping them. Hmm. And uh, just to continue that discipleship. I wish I would have had discipleship. Mm-hmm. What about you, Jack? What what do you wish had been there when you got out? Well, you know, the, the same thing um, that took me to prison to begin with is uh, the pressures and responsibility of, of uh, having a family and, and, and being able to support them um, and learning to deal with, with anger. I, I, I had a very, very bad uh, anger problem. Um, that I thought was okay, you know, as long as you, <laughs> you didn't upset me, everything was fine. You know? as, as long as you weren't angry. Right. Right. Hey, you know. I mean, as long as you didn't push the button. You know? yeah. But um, there, there came a time, and you know, I, I think I'm going to share this. It's a, uh, it's not a very good story, but um, it's it's real. Uh, there, there came a time where that happened again in my life. Um, um, I was working construction and, uh, you know, I, I came out unskilled and, uh, you know, uh, I was, uh, construction was booming at that time. It was in 1989. And, uh, and so I got an entry level position. Um, but construction's always up and down. And, uh, I wasn't aware of that. Uh, so I wasn't prepared mentally that there will be, you know, uh, spurts of, you know, uh, two or three weeks, maybe in between jobs while the contractors, you know, uh, gathering up more work. And, uh, and so all those, you know, um, emotions that I didn't, uh, know how to deal with before, you know, come flooding back. And, um, and I remember, um, uh, there came a time after the second or third, uh, time of being laid off and, 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 and things were tight. Um, you know, I, uh, 
uh, was drinking with, with, with one of these guys that lived in an apartment complex I was with, and I just said, forget it, you know, let's, uh, let's go pull some armed robberies. And uh, off we went. And uh, all the way down uh, uh, Highway 132, because uh, we weren't going to do it where we lived, um, I just felt uh, the Spirit of God telling me, you better pray, you better pray, you better pray. And, and I'm arguing with him in my mind, no, I'm doing this, you know, I'm tired, I forget it, you know, I've tried it, you know, I've tried it your way, and look where I'm at, you know. And uh, by the time I got to uh, Highway 580, um, I finally got tired of, 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 of the voice telling me, you better pray, you better pray. So uh, instead of being mm, repentive, I was, okay, I pray this arm robbery goes good. <laughs> and uh, and so, you know, we, uh, we go into Oakland and uh, we rob a gas station and, uh, and the arm robbery went good. Now, I'm on parole. Uh, anytime you're on parole, you have to get permission anytime you leave your county. And I didn't get permission to leave my county. I had a stipulation on my license that if uh, even an empty container was found uh, in, in my vehicle, I would lose my vehicle or my license for life. And uh, on the way down there, the guy I was with, he spilt, you know, half his beer in, in the cab of a truck. And if you've ever been in a cab of a truck, you know, it doesn't take much to, uh, mm. you know, uh, stink the place up. And so uh, I did the typical bonehead uh, traffic thing. I went from number one lane and cut over three lanes of traffic because my, my uh, turnoff was coming. And sure enough, we got pulled over by the highway patrol. And uh, we had a gun on the seat and, uh, and a six-pack of beer on the floor, and he had one opened. And uh, I think the, the story we put together was... Uh, um, we were going to go uh, do some work. We, we'd been doing construction all day uh, in Modesto, and we were going to do some work at my grandmother's house in Hayward. And uh, as soon as they came up, you know, they said, move those, you know, the stuff down on the floorboard. We want to see if you have any weapons. And uh, I was afraid. I thought, wow, you know, these guys, when they see the gun, they're going to panic. I hope they don't, you know, shoot us. And... Uh, you know, I wasn't the type of guy, like I told you, I was prideful. I wasn't about to start crying out to God, help me, save me. You know, instead of instead of thinking along those lines, I was calculating the time. You know, five years prior prison, five years gun enhancement, uh, two, five, and ten for armed robbery. So I was looking at about 15 years, and I thought, well, this is it. You know, there goes the family. You know, uh, I'm going to be gone for a long time. And so he comes up to me and he pulls me out and he gets the other guy out and he gives me a breathalyzer and I'm over the limit. And he tells me I'm over the limit. And uh, I give him my little story. And uh, by the grace of God, he let us go. He never ran a check on us. Is that right, really? Never ran a check on us. He would have found out I was on parole. Hmm. They would have searched the car and found the gun. You know, I would. Uh, it would not have been a good situation. But what I would have liked if, if there was somebody out there waiting for me you know, it took a long time for me listening to a lot of different ministers, a lot of CDs, how to be a man, how to deal with anger, how to be a father. You know, we, we don't teach uh, in, 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 in American society what it is to be a man or how, how to be a father. You know, we're taught men don't cry. 
Yeah. You know, and, and that's not right. You know, God makes, he gave us emotions. Men do cry, you know, and he gave us tear ducts, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, listening how women think, you know, what women, uh, uh, expect from us, you know, what a, what a wife expects from us, you know, um, I didn't know any of that stuff. And, and I wish, you know, um, that I could have learned those type of things, you know, um, especially how, how to deal with my anger, how to deal with frustration, you know, I mean, uh, going and pulling on Rahabri's is, is definitely not, it's not the know. way, yeah. you know, it strikes me as I, I'm hearing you guys talk about what you could, what you needed and, uh, what the guys that you're now working with yeah. need. Um, it strikes me that it's really what we all need. Yeah. It's what everybody needs. Yeah. Everybody needs groups of family and friends that accept yeah. them for who they are, bring them in, let them know they belong, yeah. uh, come around them, support them. It sounds a lot like what the church is supposed, supposed to, to be. Yeah, well, you know uh, what they're talking about here are life skills. A lot of times yeah. when people hear about what we call our our program uh life skills they think jobs and they think mm. uh skills in that way you know vocations but really what we're talking about is life skills how to uh have a relationship with god how to live how to live with each other how to live with our past how to deal with it properly mm. and uh so uh jack and tafola they <laughs> They come in contact with guys all the time, uh, and they are able to tell them, I've walked in those shoes before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but the biggest exciting, the most exciting part about skills is when the curtains are pulled back for these men and they start seeing their life differently. Because I think the men, you guys, I always call myself the uninitiated, okay? I don't call myself normal. I just call myself uninitiated. Okay. So, so from an uninitiated point of view, it appears as if these men see their lives at a certain level of normal. And I think that that's something that happens in our days and hours and days together as they start seeing their lives aren't, and I'm holding up fingers in quotes, normal, mm. and that they have to learn a new normal because their normal is very violent, mm-hmm. dysfunctional, mm. self-hating, other people hating, greedy, all those things that all of us have to deal with, mm-hmm. but they seem to have accepted it to a certain level. So I don't know that the might be good error. for a little interaction. Yeah, it's a, it's a little thinking error that we have. It's a real bad yeah. a criminal thinking error. Mm-hmm. Um, that we have, that we have to, like, uh, I call it exposing. When I preach it, cause I preach at the juvenile hall as well for the last five years, and I just always tell them, I'm not, I'm just exposing this to you. Right. It's your choice what you're gonna do with it. But as I expose these things to you, he's calling to repent, for us to repent, to look at a different way, you know, turn around from it, you know, so, um, yeah, I can agree is that, we mm-hmm. there's a thinking error there and um because of the lifestyles that these men also have lived um 
and if I can share one of their stories, you know, just mm -hmm. I'm not going to give no names, but uh, for good example is one of their stories when I was doing a forgiveness thing. Um, I asked them a day, a, a time in their adolescence and a, a person that rejected them mm -hmm. and uh, we went around and then, uh, you know, I said, if you want to expound, go ahead kind of expounded some of them. Well, one of the men, he, uh, he didn't meet his dad until he was 12 years old. Then on the weekend, he, his dad, one weekend, his dad comes over and he's like, Hey, why don't you come over and spend the weekend with me? And he was like, great. That's, you know, great. And I haven't seen my dad. He went over, um, he goes into the room to get something from the room. His dad shoots himself in the head and, uh, oh right in front of him. Mm. Wow. And, and he's bawling. Mm. The man is bawling, you know, and mm. he's, he, he, and I, and I made it closer to them and I got up and I said to each one of them and that man also, and I said, um, I, I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm playing the part of the person who rejected you and I, mm. and did that to you. And I'm asking you to forgive me. Mm. I didn't know what I was doing to you all these years. And they just crying. Mm. And after that hour, you know, I said, okay, the next hour, now you know the power of forgiveness and forgiving somebody. Who do you need to tell, mm. can you forgive me mm -hmm. for these years that I've been? It's, it goes back, it's a biblical, you know, curse, the curses, you know what I mean? The biblical curses. Choose life today. Like breaking that cycle. Yeah, breaking that cycle. Yeah. Exactly. Generational. Exactly. Generational yeah. curses, yeah. So. You know, and, and I would assume we also have a dynamic where society's expectation is the guys coming out are going to just automatically fit in and they don't, no way no, no. that's going to so i think you have a mismatch in expectations oh, yeah. as, oh, yeah. as well oh, yeah. um and and so jack how about how about for you issues of uh forgiveness what spiritually did you have to deal with as as you were uh, coming out uh spiritually for me um it was just i had a lot of anger you know um you know, my, 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 you know, your parents always do better, you know, even in dysfunction, you know, uh, they do better for their kids than maybe their parents did for them. And, and my parents grew up, uh, very, very, uh, dysfunctional. Um, my, uh, my grandfather, uh, ran bootleg for Capone in Chicago and, and did five years in Juliet prison and then was run out of Chicago by some other gangsters. And, uh, so, uh, he was a bartender and an alcoholic and, uh, very dysfunctional father. So, uh, my father grew up in and out of group homes and, uh, foster care and, and, uh, even was placed in juvenile hall when they didn't have room for foster care. And when you get placed in places like that and you didn't do anything wrong, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. uh, you can just imagine the emotional mm -hmm. turmoil he went through. And, uh, he's a very, he's a self-made man, but he did do, do, do his own stretch of time in YA. He did about five years. Um, but, uh, he was one that was strong enough to pull himself out and, uh, and, uh, even at the age of 40, reeducated himself and, uh, and, uh, became a journeyman, uh, machinist. But, uh, the dysfunctions there, dysfunctions there and the way you, uh, you, uh, father, you know, you did better than, than what was, you know, done for you, but it still was, is dysfunctional at times. Um, there was a lot of drinking in, uh, in my household. My mother, um, 
my mother grew up uh, in San Francisco. My my father grew up uh, in the streets of Oakland. Um, my mother was uh, was uh, raped by her uh, stepfather at, at a young age, and so she went to live with family in, in San Francisco. And and when she was uh, told to go back to live there, she rebelled, and uh, and so. She was on the streets in the in the fifties at the age of fifteen, you know, uh, when that wasn't very common, mm-hmm. and uh, so there wasn't a lot of help for her, and uh, and so, uh, long story short, um, their parenting skills uh, uh, weren't weren't all that great, you know, in the early early mm-hmm. days of our lives. So uh, so that's where my anger stems from. Uh, I love my parents and, you know, I, I definitely don't blame them for anything, uh, I did. Uh, I think when we're, we're young and get in trouble, it, it might stem from our, from our home life, you know, that, that might be the beginning of it. Um, but in the latter years is, you know, we start getting in trouble as adults. That's choices we're making, you know. So two huge, two huge dynamics here that I'm, that I'm hearing. One is the issue and, and it is much a spiritual battle as it is a personal and physical battle. I mean, you know, the enemy's got some stuff going on that just needs to be uh, combated. But, uh, you know, I'm hearing two themes here. Uh, one is, and you mentioned the generational sin or the generational curse. Very difficult uh, to, to deal with without God uh, entering into that entering into that process. And the other theme I'm hearing, especially from you, Joaquin, is the issue of forgiveness. And I would imagine both cases for a lot of guys and gals, it, it's not, it's a process. Mm-hmm. It's not flipping on a switch, That's you know, right. where everything goes and, and we're all tiptoeing oh, through Disneyland now. It, no. It's a process, isn't it? And, and you have to have someone you can go to help you through that process. Yeah. So I would imagine you guys, right, are, yeah. are part of that process. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. At this stage too, with skills coming back to that, uh, which is, somewhat of a common heartbeat between the three of us mm. and the sheriff himself. Uh, we understand that uh, the answer is pretty simple, but the methodology is pretty complex. Mm. Mm. It's, it's messy. Mm. It is it messy. messy. Yes. That's right. So uh, more hands make a lighter load. Yes. Mm-hmm. And But everyone only needs to do their part. Now, we've been talking on a very good spiritual plane mm-hmm. because uh, skills is holistic. We, uh, we address the mind, body, the emotions, and the spirit. The reason we say emotions and spirit is because oftentimes people mistake emotions for the spirit. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's really not. We always mm-hmm. say that emotions are physical. And when your mind and emotions and body gives out, that's when you need your spiritual base. Right. Mm-hmm. So the spiritual is 25% of what we address. Uh, and we don't, and we address it unashamedly too. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, whoever wants to come in and talk about their spiritual, uh, uh, their spiritual way would be welcome to come and talk to the men. But, uh, tell you the truth, the heart, of uh the heart of compassion lies with the Christian message. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not saying that other religions are compassionless, but uh experience experientially in my realm, uh I see that it's the Christians that are coming forward to uh express help mm. to these men. So uh, oftentimes it becomes a biblical spiritual discussion. But if they want to bring up some other avenue that's up to them, but uh, 
But so far, we've been addressing it that way. So unashamedly, but we do tell them it's 25%, but it's the 25% that's the bedrock. Mm-hmm. You know, right. you need this. That's the foundation. That's yeah. the foundation. Yeah. So so we really address that. But we have BHRS, Behavioral Health and Recovery Services in there. Men in Recovery comes in. Uh, we have NAMI, National Alliance of Mental Illness comes in. Friends Outside comes in with Breaking Barriers and Crossroads. Uh, we have a litany of different organizations that actually are still presently coming into the jail, even Enriched Learning, which used to be called Breeding Works. They come in with GED and tutoring. So we are actually approaching these men with a lot of different avenues of help. Uh, so uh, they are getting a, a holistic approach being given to them. And I well, say holistic, W-H-O-L. Uh, sure. <laughs> and, and a lot of credit really has to go to our Sheriff Adam Christensen. Right. for. Yeah. And it is kind of a brave uh, step off the cliff to That's say, right. go for it, because this right. is risky. But yeah. you know what's interesting is I do believe, and we've talked about this before, I believe almost everybody in this room has been praying for revival for the church. Mm-hmm. And when I first started working at the jail five years ago, we were praying fervently for revival. And then I come into the jail as a chaplain, and God said, this is where revival is going to come. Mm. And he was meaning the jail. Now, Mm. Now, when you think about it, this is not a jail ministry. I get a little miffed. When people say, oh, yeah, that's a jail ministry. No, this is a community ministry. Mm -hmm. People in the community that really need help get washed down into this basin that becomes the jail. It's a settling tank. You know, it's a settling pond. So what we have an opportunity to do is to reach into there and to touch these men and then follow them back into the community. We have all sorts of youth ministry going on. But whereas the fathers and mothers, they're probably in jail or prison. So why not have a ministry that touches the lives of the mothers and the fathers and the uncles and the aunts and the grandfathers and the grandmothers and start, and I said uncles, didn't I? And so you start touching their lives and then follow them back into the community to then address the youth. And what we've noticed uh, and I, I'm sure they'll agree, is that the men that we're touching their lives, they want to go back and tell the youth. Sure. Because yes. you look at the gang mentality, who do they go after? Yeah. They don't go after the, the geriatric crowd, you know, the, the 60-year-olds and 50-year-olds or 40-year-olds. They go after the youth. Well, mm-hmm. so these men in, in, instinctively know that if their life changes, the ones they want to touch when they get out are youth. And so this, to me, seems to be a networking of God, a movement of God that is not just jail-centered. This is really, you would have to say, with the crimes and the problems we have in our county, this is really the uh, the best area to begin addressing it is start there in the jail and follow them out. But you can't give up just working in the jail. You have to still work with the seven-year-olds. You have to work with the families raising them. You still have a lot of 
other work you have to do at the same time. That's why I say it's very complicated, but it's very simple. You just have to show them a different way to live that is forgiving and loving and constructive and profitable. Mm-hmm. Mike, you've, uh, and, and Jack and, and Joaquin, you've given us some tremendous principles over the ha- past 45 minutes or so. And again, this podcast goes all around the world and some people may be saying, wow, I didn't quite catch that or I'd like to explore that a little bit more. Is there some way, uh, Mike, that people can get a hold of you that you don't mind putting out no, for, to the world? And uh, how, how can they reach you to, okay. to ask more questions and get more information? I'll just give my uh, email address, which is uh, Stanislaw County Jails, but the first part is M for Michael, M. Atinsky. Atinsky, A-T-I-N-S-K-Y. Uh, M. Atinsky at StanislasSheriff.com. Stanislaus Sheriff is one word. It's two S's in the middle and two F's on the end. <laughs> and if they would email me, I do have some brochures and uh, information, and uh, I'll, I'll try to help in whatever way is possible. Uh, to help them understand what we're trying to do. That's great. And I'll tell you what, friends, if, if you want to call a phone number, call us here at ABC. We'll get you in touch yes. with uh, Dr. Michael Atinsky, with, with Jack, with Joaquin. Uh, call us 209-544-9571. That's 209-544-9571. We'll be happy to put you in touch with this uh, incredible effort. And uh, again, the direct email address is m. Atinsky, that's M-A-T-I-N-S-K-Y, at StanislasSheriff.com. And if you want to email us here at ABC, you can do that too. It's info at VibrantCommunities.org, info at VibrantCommunities.org. Just tell us that you're interested in this uh, very, very uh, innovative and effective way to prepare people for coming out of prison and getting into the community and for the community to get involved in their lives, exactly. track them, disciple them, embrace them. And it really is, Mike, a body, a body of Christ effort right. here, not just, well, Mike does that. No, it's, it's <laughs> no, a community it's, effort, right? It, it has to be. And we tell them the most important part of skills and we call them alumni. Once they go through it, they're alumni. And, uh, the most important part is when they get out. When they get out, they have to make the effort to get in contact with us, which they have contact information. They are given a membership card with numbers on it that they're to contact and have people who help them contact these numbers. We want to be able to track uh, what help they're getting, where they're living, uh, problems, issues, and then even track if they do end up in jail again. We have a means now of uh, contacting them once they get in the jail if they end up there again. But our slogan is uh, never never uh, go back to jail. We tell them that we're not trying to help you get out of jail. We're, we're here to help you stay out of jail. Mm, absolutely. And then the slogan the guys actually have is, and that's what we'll do. 
That's their slogan. That's what. Well, and that's do. important. Yeah. <laughs> and and you can't promise what you can't deliver. That's and right. so there's a commitment there yeah. that, that's yeah. tremendous. Again, friends, you're listening to Lighthouse Live on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Mike Douglas with you, along with our co-host Chris Whitler, and of course our faithful predecessor. The inimitable Mr. Owl, Al Ramsey, our special guest tonight, Dr. Michael Atinsky, a pastor and chaplain to the, the jail here in Stanislaus County. Also our, uh, our friends, special guests tonight, Jack and, and Joaquin. Hey, uh, thank you for sharing your hearts. I mean, I think you did something pretty bold here and, and thank you because I think that, that God is going to use your words to touch a lot of people out there. Yeah, and he is already. Amen, yeah. amen to that. Uh, Chris Whitler, would you mind just, uh, let, let's pray for, uh, Michael Atinsky and, and Jack and, and Joaquin and just ask God's blessing on the tremendous work that they're doing. Yes, God, we turn to you right now. Um, and we ask your, your blessing, your help, uh, on, the skills program uh, that's happening in and outside of the jail and all the guys that are participating right now, we pray over their lives, Lord, that um, that uh, you would make something new. You've promised to make mm-hmm. us new creations and uh, God, you're good at doing that. So we want to work alongside with what you're doing in their lives. Lord, I pray for volunteers uh, for the skills program, for congregations, to sign up to be those people that will wrap their arms around the men that are coming out and their families. And uh, God, just uh, create something new. Do a new work here. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, friends, again, you've been listening to Lighthouse Live. You're on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network with Advancing Vibrant Communities. Thank you for joining us uh, this evening. And uh, remember, if you'd like to get in touch with uh, Dr. Michael Latinsky for more information on the wonderful principles we've been talking about tonight, you can email him at matinsky at stanislassheriff.com. That's matinsky at stanislassheriff.com. Or call us here at Advancing Vibrant Communities, 209-544-9571, 209-544-9571. Coming up in about two weeks, on the 21st of August, 530 Pacific Time, we're going to have uh, Pastor Cheryl Birch with us, and we're going to be talking about a tremendous effort where the congregations in the city cover the entire city in prayer the whole year. Each congregation taking at least one week uh, to do a prayer covering. And I have to think, Mike, what God's doing has to be a result of some That's of this, right. isn't it? Prayer is yeah. So coming up, our next live broadcast on Wednesday night, August 21st, 5.30 p.m. Pacific, here on the same link that you're listening to. You can always go and listen to the archive broadcasts at vibrantcommunities.org and click on Lighthouse Live. For Chris Whitler, I'm Mike Douglas. Thanks for joining us tonight, and God bless you all.